Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Client Show, where our goal is to help you build client relationships that delight. And guess what? Sometimes building client relationships that delight is as simple as bringing on the clients who are best for you. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined here in studio, delicious Guatemalan coffee in hand, by my co-host Andrew Dimsky. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing good today, Ben. I'm uh, this whole topic that we're digging into today around the type of client you bring on board. This is an episode I wish we had at the beginning, the early days, and uh, it's always a good reminder to. Build the business that you want, you know, and not everyone out there is a good fit for your services. So you've got uh, some really cool topics outlined here, and I'm excited to dive in and chat about them with you. Oh, me too. I, I seriously could not agree more with you. That uh, It's so embarrassing, but I uh, I like to journal every once in a while in Evernote, and, you know, I'll write about topics that I'm passionate about. But this is actually a topic from about two and a half years ago where I just started, I was feeling really discouraged by a couple situations that had transpired all simultaneously uh, in my early days. And I just started writing these personality types um, to, you know, to, to have some a, a story to tell people who I came across with, people I was mentoring in the agency space and, you know, just people in general to say, hey, these are the people that you need to recognize and run from as fast as you possibly can. So I'm fired up to dive in. And speaking of journaling and dreaming, that transitions perfectly into the first kind of client that you cannot afford to take on, the dreamer. Now, let me give you a mental snapshot of this guy or girl or whoever. These are the individuals who may have an idea for business but don't have a single wheel in place to actually get it started. Now, obviously, if your particular service is startup coaching, then this is your ideal client. But for the average agency, it's not. Exactly. You want to be, I think, just defining, Ben, the type of business that you want to work with. And I was working with Ryan. He He's just rolled out a inbound agency sales system training course. And one of the key points that he identified inside of that course is you've got to identify your best fit prospect. And that kind of falls into two different areas. First of all, it's identifying what industry are they in or finding an industry focus for your agency. And second is identifying the number of employees that your best fit prospect has and the amount of revenue that they have. So the dreamer here, someone who has a business idea in place. Maybe they're, they've even started and they're early on in the process, but they're all, they're always talking about what they're going to be versus what they are. Unless they've got some serious startup funding, that's kind of a red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think even more fundamentally than that, do they have a business plan? Do they have a way of quantifying their services and proving their value to an identified target market? And it sounds like I just wrote that Read, read that from a textbook, but I actually just blurted that out from experience. If they don't have a business plan that is in place, that's thought out, that has target audiences, I mean, you can help them with that. But if they don't have a business plan, they don't have funding, there are some serious red flags. And even more uh, red flaggy than that is, guess what? Have they actually launched the business? I mean, there's one there's one state of mind where it's conceptualization, where they're thinking through a business they want to launch. But if they haven't launched it, you know, there's that's a big red flag that you should really look out for. Yeah, unless this is your vertical and your niche, you want to help startups grow their business by doing inbound well, I would avoid the dreamer, Ben. Yeah, yeah. And 
another warning sign that you can that you can really identify to find the dreamer early is someone who starts saying right away, we can't offer you money, but we'll offer you a partnership when it is established. Someone who offers you equity on a business that hasn't even been established. I mean, sure, there is equity in different business relationships, but as an agency, I'm not sure equity on a conceptualization is something that you should uh, go for. Yeah, I totally agree. Number two, the type of client you can't afford to onboard. This is the slow pay, no payer. And this is my least favorite of these <laughs> because the these folks are wrecking havoc on your revenue. And the whole idea of shifting from a project-based agency to a value-based inbound retainer model is streamlining your cash flow and having a better ability to forecast out the type of business, the type of cash you're going to have on hand. And if you've got a client that is consistently late in their payments, I would refer you to two episodes ago on the Happy Client You Here where we talked about how to get your clients to pay on time. But you're going to have those folks that are just perpetually late. And one thing that we've found really helpful is just putting late fees on their invoices, allowing those to build up, communicating with them on a regular basis if the invoice is late. And this, is a, this can be a hard point because most times if you're working with the marketing director at a company – they're they're not the person cutting the check. They're not the uh, the accounts receivable department. So what or the accounts uh, payable department? What we so what we're worried about here is how do we communicate clearly to that person, and whether they pay the fees or not on your late invoice, it helps show them that you know what we need to change something here. We need we have something that needs to be changed here. So if that is your current client, I would suggest doing something like that. But Ben. Once again, it feels like we always say this, but it goes back to setting expectations in the sales process. How do you train clients to pay you well? And there's two different ways you can think about this. If you're a retainer, you can either have the client pay you at the beginning of the month for that month's work. You know, that's a good position to be in. So if if I'm going to be paid for the month of September, I want to have that check by September 1st, which means they need to have the invoice by the second week in August in order to pay that on time. That's a good position to be in because you're getting paid before you're doing the work. Some agencies, especially if you have a history of billing by the hour, are doing the work in September, issuing that invoice, say, October 1st. It's on a net 60 or a net 30, so you're not getting paid till the end of October or even into November. And that's just not a, a good place to be as an agency. We've got to kind of get out our bud nippers and nip that in the bud and just keep an eye out here for the slow pay, no payer. Yeah. And I think another way to draw out the slow pay, no pay right away because, you know, first impressions can be deceiving in my opinion. And so you never really know until you know and you don't want that to be at the wrong time. If you're doing a large uh, kind of project like let's say a website project or some kind of full stack work in general, require a production deposit, you know, 25, 50% of the total invoice and see what happens. Don't start until you receive this and time it. If it's really late or doesn't come at all, there's some trouble in paradise. Maybe that's a cash flow thing from the organization. Maybe they're out of money or maybe they just don't like paying people. So try to draw these things out before you you know, uh, start work with these kind of people because you don't want to bloat your pipeline numbers and you don't want to wreck your cash flow as an agency. It's, it's not going to make you grow. And it's really going to put you in a bad position. And something else that's really going to put you in a bad position, and I know this one is a point that frustrates the heck 
out of team members. And this is one of the most common points of feedback from agency employees uh, who get frustrated is clients who don't trust your method, your team, or your strategies. And we call this number three, the doubter. Yeah, this is if you if you've got a client where they're consistently questioning sort of the value of your experience, they're questioning the framework you bring to place, um, they're questioning the strategies, the things that you've already gone over, and whether they're questioning them seriously or passively, just like second guessing, doubting those sorts of things. This is those are warning signs for this type of a client. You know, you're gonna have it's okay for a client to have questions. We're not saying that they need to sit back and just say yes to everything you say. But when they're actively doubting your professional opinion and, you know, first of all, take a step back and look at it and say, is there grounds for this? Do they have a point? I'm going to try to put myself in my client's shoes and see through their lens. But if you can look through that and you can say, no, this, what we're suggesting here makes sense. We're, we're making this pivot based on these results, whatever it may be, that, then you've got the doubter. And the doubter is someone who, whether they're just playing devil's advocate for the entire relationship or they just think that they've got a better plan in place. Maybe they weren't involved in the decision to bring you in. You could have a doubt in that situation. Um, but that that's someone to, to really watch out for, and those are some warning signs for them. Yeah, and I think uh, another warning sign that you might recognize, and I know we went through this with our classic example, is they go through periods of trust and non-trust, even though you've continued to prov- provide results that you've you know, forecasted and results that you have said you were going to do, they might go through a period where they, on the phone, they get real aggravated. Well, what are we doing? I'm not sure what we're doing. And then you talk them down off the ledge. They say, oh, okay. And then you know what? Two weeks later, and then you bring them back down the ledge. Do you like my impression, by the way? And then you bring them back and it's this constant cat and mouse game where you're trying to build trust and then they lose trust and then you build trust and lose trust. You should establish a relationship based on trust, something where you're doing what you're saying you're doing and you have buy-in, which inbound marketing, sometimes it takes three to six to nine months to show results. So you have to get buy-in and you have to build trust and you have to set the expectations so that you know if there's a doubter in the room that you can avoid them. Yeah, I totally agree. And this goes back to using your sales process, not necessarily as a the means to just get new business, but the means to screen bad business. So use that process uh, of your, use your sales process to kind of screen them. And then having a game plan in place where you charge for the strategy is helpful because that gives you, you know, three to four weeks to work with a prospective client. And if you're building a game plan with them and they're just doubting, doubting, doubting the whole way through, then at the end of the game plan process, you can say, Hey, you know, it was great meeting you. Great having an opportunity to build an inbound plan for you. Here's the plan we built together. Here are our recommendations. I don't think that we're the best fit to move forward in this together. But that kind of gives you an out as an agency so you can trial run working with them before you commit to a long-term engagement. I love the game plan. It's the greatest invention known to inbound marketing in my opinion. Mm. But anyway, on to number four, the dictator. It's okay when a client knows what they want, but things get really dangerous when they demand you do it a very specific way, a.k.a. their way. 
which in most all cases won't line up with what you've developed, used, and proven. Now, if for some reason it does, then I don't think you're going to have much trouble besides the fact that they're a dictator. But if a client knew what to do, would they be hiring you? Yeah, I totally agree, Ben. This is a little bit similar to the questioner, but I think the dictator is someone who comes in and instead of doubting, they're trying to be the leader in the relationship. They're trying to tell you what to do. So this is a more demonstrative role. It's a more authoritative role. It's someone who's coming down and maybe if it's – maybe they're affecting your team. They're belittling your team at this point. They're calling your team incompetent. Um, you know, We've talked to agencies who clients have made their team cry on the phone. There are people out there that just like the feeling of making other people feel uncomfortable or make other people feel stupid. If you've got a dictator, someone like that who just seems to get a kick – out of causing havoc and making you think that if you don't march to the beat of their drum, then you're, you are of no good, no value. That's a major, major red flag. And the dictator is someone that you want to identify early because if you bring them into your team, that can really be infectious in a very, very bad way to the overall morale of your agency. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the biggest sign of poison and it's the biggest cause of poison in an office uh, environment and just ask anybody that's oftentimes why people leave an agency is not necessarily because of their team but just because they can't handle the clients so as someone who's trying to build a scalable successful agency you can't deal with someone who is going to belittle your team and make them feel bad you really have to graduate from the mentality of we'll take literally anything that comes in the door yeah. to something where it's we're going to strategically look for people who best complement us and who best work with the way we do business. Yeah, I think this goes back to one of the first episodes we did. Is the client always right? Answer is no. The client is not always right. You guys have a framework. You have a process in place. You want to usher them through that process. And if you've got a dictator there – that's going to throw a major, major wrench in the works and really hurt the morale of your team and kind of affect the way the whole agency moves forward. Number five, the last one we want to talk about here is the unreachable. Ben, share with us some warning signs of how folks can identify the unreachable before it's too late. Yeah, I almost wanted to call this one the departed because in some cases people are so unreachable you think they're dead and that's not a good thing in an inbound marketing relationship. Now the warning signs – don't respond to emails, no matter how urgent. Don't respond to phone calls or voicemails, no matter how urgent. Don't show up to your weekly meetings, your monthly meetings, or your quarterly meetings, and don't really have a good excuse as to why. And don't respond in a timely enough manner to allow you to effectively achieve your job, which again, in my opinion, and from my experience, inbound marketing relationships don't work with unreachable clients. Each side has to be an active partner at the table. And there's so many reasons for this. Yeah. You've got to get someone who's bought in and who understands internally. And to go back to the game plan, that's why the game plan is really important to get the, dis during the game plan discovery phase, having an inbound workshop where you get people from outside of the marketing department around the table and you get that buy-in from folks so that you have, they understand the sense of urgency you know, you don't want to be the agency knocking on the door, trying to set up another content interview, trying to get more blog content out of somebody. You want to be the sort of the circus leader, you know, everyone kind of beating around and moving forward there. We had a client where one of our first clients, they, it was impossible to get content out of them. And this was 
one of the main points behind building out a much better onboarding process where we got content out early and we got buy-in early. But in that position, you guys, again, you're handcuffed to them. You're going to be held to your results, but you're being waylaid by someone who won't even get back to you, who won't set up a meeting, who won't get you what you need. So I think it goes back to the sales process. It goes back to the early onboarding process. And those first like 300 hours, we say, of an inbound retainer are so important to set the expectation, to get everyone involved and see the vision of where we're going together. Because if you can't even get someone to reply to your email banner, you can't get them to show up at your weekly meeting, there's really a big disconnect that's going on. And what it says is, we do not think that this time is valuable. And that's a big red flag. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. If you can't get a client to commit to at least three types of engagements where they're saying to you literally no one in the organization can talk to you on a weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis, that's a serious red flag. And I would go running for my life if that were me. Amen. Any final thoughts here before we wrap this up? Just to avoid these kinds, uh, they're pretty – once you know these personalities, they're pretty easy to spot. Uh, so I would just really encourage you as you're trying to build an outrageously successful and lovable agency that you would run like heck if you sense that any prospective client is like one of the five that we just outlined. Amen. And a good exercise can be spending some time with your entire team as an agency, salespeople and uh, servicing folks. And just build out what is your best fit prospect look like. Build out that buyer persona, not necessarily like exactly what industry and what their background is, like a typical marketing persona, but go a little bit deeper and understand what does that type of customer feel like? What is it like to work with them? What's it like to communicate with them? And once you've got a clear idea of that picture, it's going to be a lot easier for the salespeople to identify those folks during the sales process. So we hope you got a lot out of this episode. We hope that you can take this and avoid these five types of personas. You can tell that Ben and I are battle-scarred from these kind of folks. <laughs> so we hope that this saves you from some of the frustration and some of the heartache that we've gone through in the past. If you guys have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love your feedback on iTunes. You can just head over to iTunes, search Happy Client Show, leave us your thoughts and review there. That helps spread the Happy Client vibes to the rest of the inbound world. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.